I've, you know, I've been alone with the Lord and uh, just praying about a few things. And we just came out of a dynamic ministry with uh, Doc, Doc Shell. Dynamic ministry. Um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a, just a good speaker. Um, and he's easy listening. You know, you can sit there and listening, listen to him for a long time. So, well, I've been preaching a long time. And I'm thinking, keep on preaching. You know, I mean, I, you don't get tired of good preaching. And uh, this is for Tom Heath because he watches this. When you go like that to a preacher, that means you're going to get another hour. Okay, that's another hour. But so don't do that. But we we came out. It it, it was good. And so so uh, Sunday night when we had taken him out to eat uh, at Culver's, and and uh, I told Henry, I said, "Now you're you're on Wednesday night." And he said, "Well, how do I follow that?" And I never say anything. But you don't have to follow that. What you do is you follow Holy Spirit. And He'll give you words. Now, now here's what we need to hear. I'm not the best preacher in the world, but I need to be as good as I can be. How many of you got that? And so then you need to open up your ears and ask God to open up your ears so that you're able to hear the message. And so I, I've been alone with the Lord and talking to him about a number of things in my life and in this church and different things. And there's an apostasy that's taken place today. The word apostasy means falling away. So there's a falling away in the church. And there's an apostasy that's always taken place in the church, and it's always fallen away. And yet I notice something that every time there's an apostasy that takes place in the church, it's because we start to leave out the Holy Spirit. We start to leave out the gifts. We start to leave out what God does. And then God will raise up another people. Think about John, John Wesley, um, who was the founder of the Methodist Church. Great man of God. But he preached 10 years before he got saved. He, uh, he was a preacher. His father was a preacher. And he wanted an education. And in that day, the only way that you could get an education was to go and most of the time be a preacher. So he's a preacher by vocation and not by calling. He was called of God. But at that time, he was a preacher by vocation and not of calling. And so he's coming to the United States, and he's on a ship. This is in the 1800s, and there's a terrible storm. And he is going to die. Now, John Wesley always had a fear of dying and dying young. So he, he, he made a diet so that he would be healthy that they still use today. And he thought he would die in his 40s, maybe his 50s. He died in his 90s, okay? But, but he had a fear of dying. Now, there's some of you in here today that's got a fear of dying. And when he was on this ship coming over to America, uh, it looked like this ship was going to sink. Yet there were these Germans, the Moravian Germans, who their kids were playing on on the, the deck of the ship. And, and they, they, weren't af they weren't at all afraid 
And John Wesley said to him, said to them, said, how can you not be afraid? Don't you know we might die here? And they introduced him to the baptism of God's Holy Spirit. The gifts would come into him. And when that happened to him, everything about him and the ministry changed. Everything about him and the ministry changed. The first thing that left him was fear. The first thing that left him was the fear of dying because he understood then that if he dies in the natural, instantly he's going to be with the Father. And that's, that's what we got to look at. And so, so John Wesley then was baptized in the Holy Spirit. But in the late 1800s, the Methodist church then started to lose what God had given them. And so that's when you look at the late 1800s and then right after that 19, early 1900s, there was a, once again a renewing of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the renewing of the baptism of the Holy Spirit lit, started first in, in Tennessee in the area where we're going to be going in the Newport and the Dandridge, Tennessee area. That's where the renewing of God's Spirit came in. And then it went to Topeka, Kansas in the late 1890s. But it was on in 1904 on Azusa Street in Los Angeles that they get credited for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But God had started to work about 35, 40, 50 years before that. And it was an amazing thing that uh, there, is, there was a, 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 an old pastor and his name was Robert Sheffy, and he said this, and, and he spoke this in the 1890s. He said, here's what's going to happen. They will, take, they will take God and the Bible out of the schools and the government. He said that in the 1890s. Methodist circuit writer preacher that seen God just do all kinds of, of miraculous things in his life. It was in, So the apostasy in the Methodist church... But every time there is an apostasy that takes place, then God rises up a people. How many of you understand? God will raise up a people who will preach the truth. It's an amazing thing. Every single time. John Knox, the founder of the Presbyterian Church, God called him, and yet look at the Presbyterian Church today. Nominal, name only. The Methodist Church. At one time, the Presbyterian Church was on fire they were pulpit pounders. They run the aisles. It's an amazing thing. But then all of a sudden, it, the, when the apostasy takes place, then we get what we call dignity. We get what we call dignity. And then we put demands on our preachers that God doesn't put on them. And so then or in, in order to get our preachers educated, we will use liberal theologians who are atheists to teach our preachers. It's an amazing thing. Right now at Southwest Baptist College in Bolivar, University in Bolivar, Missouri, which is a Baptist school, they have an atheist who teaches New Testament. And we was told that by one of their board members who, who, who was speaking in this church. And I said, what'd you do? He said, we cannot keep that guy. And they said, he's tenured. We have to keep him. They said, fire him. It's going to cost us. He said, pay him off. But they kept him and the board member, he resigned. Okay, so it's an apostasy that takes place. 
And every time there's an apostasy that takes place, it's always against the gifts of God. It's always the gifts of God. Understand that. It's always the, the Spirit of God that they come against. Now, the Pentecostal church was on fire for years and years and years. But the Pentecostal churches had apostasy take place, and now it has fallen away. We, the, the Pentecostal church denies much of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are certain things that we don't want to do. One of the worst apostate things that had ever taken place was when somebody came into the church and called it seeker-friendly. And what seeker-friendly was is that don't, don't offend anybody. The Word of God, if you're out of line, is going to offend you. How many of you understand that? The Word of God, if you're not saved, is going to offend you. The Word of God, if you are an apostate preacher, is going to offend you. It's going to offend denominations, every one of them, and not a one of them are left out anymore. And so we have that. So in the 1890s, this preacher knew that there were things that were going to happen. Now, I want you to go over with me to 2 Timothy, and we're going to look at uh, chapter 4, 1 through 5. She's going to bring it up, and I'm going to read it to you. And then we're going to go step by step on it. Now, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's speaking to Timothy. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Let's go to the next verse. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Next verse. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Let's go to the next one. And will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Is there another one? But you, there it is, but you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Is that it? Or was there another one? That was it, I think, yeah. And, and so, so we look at that. Now, now here he, he said, I solemnly charge you. Now, 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 I want you to hear me something. I, I want you to hear this. You are given a charge by the Holy Spirit. I am given a charge over you by the Holy Spirit to, treat, to teach you and to preach to you truth. Truth. And if I am afraid that that $9,000 is not going to get paid unless I make you feel good, then I have already evolved, and that's the right word to use, into an apostate state. If, if I preach this word and it offends you, so I back up and I won't preach it as God tells me to preach it, then I have come into an apostate state with the Holy Spirit. And all I have done is fallen away. Now, now people, you, you, you need to hear this this morning. There is a knee that needs to bow. 
And that knee that needs to bow is the knee of his children and his church. And that knee, when it is bowed to Christ, recognizes him as the king of glory. Recognizes him. You bow to the king. And you worship him. And when we, when, and when we stopped bowing, is when the enemy knew that he had a, had a little bit of a crack and he had an entrance to come in. Understand something. Now, I, I want you to get a hold of this. God is going to use the devil in the last day for his purpose. He's going to. And the book of Revelation shows the whole thing. That when, when, when Antichrist, the beast, comes against the false prophet, God allows that to happen for his benefit. God allowed Pharaoh for the benefit of the Israelites. God allowed the Chaldeans and the Philistine for the benefit of the Israelites. It's an amazing thing. Everybody gets taught a lesson. This, this circuit rider preacher was an amazing man. And yet when he come to the end of his life and his campground, because he had camp meetings, and, and, and the campground is burned to the ground. And he is running to the campground while his wife is behind him and doesn't realize that his wife has fallen stricken ill with heart disease. But he is so bent on getting to that fire that he forgot about her. And what had taken place was that she passed away and the place was burned down. And when he went to her tombstone, he knelt by it and understood what had gotten a hold of him was pride beyond what he knew. Beyond what he knew. And in the last years of his life, days before he passed away, a young man came to him because they told him, said the fire was arson. And a young man came to him years right before he died, a few days before he died, and he said, he said, he said, Brother Sheffy, he said, I am the one who set the fire. He said, I feel so horrible about it. He said, can you forgive me? And here's what that pastor said. He said, I forgive you years ago because he said, you taught me something. And what you taught me was pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And he said, God allowed you to burn that thing down so that I would come back to realize how proud of a man I was. And God allowed you to burn that down so you would come to him and know him as your personal Savior. Do you see how God works? And God allows the church to go through that. Now, the church today is going through an apostate state like we've never seen before. I'm not talking about this church. I might be talking to some of you. But look what he says here. He said, I ch solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Now understand this. He said, when I laid hands on you, he said, that was in the presence of the Lord. He said, we are in the presence of God and of his Jesus. Listen to me. We are in his presence right now. We sing that song, in the presence of Jehovah. Listen to me, we are in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ even right now.
It's an amazing thing how people think that when they sin, God turns away. He don't turn away. He's right there in the middle of that thing that you're doing. He does never turn away. His presence is ever near us. We don't have to ask him to bring in his presence. We might want to ask him to bring in his anointing, but his presence should always be here because we're here and the kingdom of God is when with, within us. And listen, and Paul doesn't want Timothy to forget that. And he says this, he said, I'm charging you with this so that you will never forget this. And we have forgotten things. We have forgotten things because we need buildings built. We need this and we need that. Listen, we are in the presence of the Lord right now. And if we are in the presence of the Lord right now, we do not have to compromise with anybody, anything, any devil to get it done because His presence is here right now. And if His presence is here right now, then it removes fear. It removes the fear factor. We do things because we fear. Pastor and I decided that we was going to do something with our kids. And so we set them, and they're saying, Alas, and did my Savior bleed? Man, that would be the furthest thing that I thought that they would ever want to sing. Amazing grace. It amazed me. And they're sitting down, and they're playing those things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And this little girl sits there and plays her ukulele. Am I telling right? And she'll seek ye first the kingdom of God. It's amazing. We had, we had chapel this week. And the Lord told me not to have one kid stand if they didn't want to stand. And here's another thing that he told me. And he said, if they don't, don't bring to them rebuke. And so we came in, and we just started having chapel. And, and it was just, if you want to stand, stand. If you don't want to, then don't. And you know what was so amazing? One kid stood. And he stood there for himself, by himself for quite a while. And then another kid stood. And then another one. But they all didn't stand. One little girl in particular. But that next day, that little girl was the first one to stand. And the same thing, the Holy Spirit came through here. Listen to me. He says this. He said, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Now look what he said. Who is to judge the living and the dead? The living are those who are saved. The dead who are those who are unsaved. Who is to judge the living and the dead? Watch this. She's going to bring up 2 Corinthians 5.10. I want you, I want you to look at this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. You're going to stand before the Lord. I'm going to stand before the Lord. He's going to say, did you back up or did you go forward? He's going to say, what did you do with the gifts that I give you? Let me ask you this. What are we going to say when we stand before the Lord and we don't believe those gifts? We don't believe in them anymore. Because here's what we need to understand. Because we don't believe in them anymore, it doesn't mean that God hadn't given them to us. 
How many of us got a hold of that? Well, wait, wait a minute, Lord. No, no, see, there's not going to be any wait a minute. Paul is saying something to Timothy. He said, Timothy, I want you to teach those people. He said, you're going to have to be instant in season. You're going to have to be out of season. He said, but you're going to have to go forth with the word. And listen to me, Timothy, it's not going to please everybody. As a matter of fact, it probably isn't going to please anybody. It's an amazing thing. One person says, Pastor, I have the gift, and it's not in this congregation. I have the gift of interpretation, but I'm afraid. Do you understand that's an oxymoron? I have the gift of interpretation, but I'm afraid to give it. How many of you see that? I have the gift of faith, but I don't use it. I have the gift of healing, the gifts of healing. I don't use them. I have the gift of wisdom. I have the gift of knowledge, but I don't use it. I don't do it, Lord. I have the gift of the interpretation of the gift of tongues, but I don't use them. And I know that some of you think that Pastor Dree's out of order when he stands up and he gives a message in tongues, and then he'll interpret, but he's not out of order. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he said, if the one is able to give a message in tongues, he ought to be able to interpret it. That's what it says. Read it. See if I'm out of line. But when we stop, Doing what God has called us to do, we come into an apostate state with the Lord because, listen, nobody in here or ever is standing still. Nobody. We are either going forward or we're going backward. But nobody is standing still. We are either going forward with the Lord or we're going backward. So he says this. Put that up again, will you, Deb? 2 Corinthians 5.10. Watch this. For we must all, he's talking about those who are living, for we must all, born-again Christians, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He's going to judge it so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Not sin. You stand before Jesus, you're not going to stand because of sin. Sin has been forgiven at the cross. When, when you get to heaven, and I hope you get to heaven, when I get to heaven, listen to me, it's not going to be about sin. It's going to be about what did I do while I have my stay here on earth? What did I do? Was I afraid to pray for the sick and command the disease to leave? Was I afraid to cast a demonic spirit out of a person which we don't even believe in anymore, but it's still very real? Very real? Man, demons have just taken a different disguise in the church of the United States of America, but they're still very real. And understand something about a demon. A demon is anti-God. Anti-God. And we have a demon called religion. And do you know what religion is? Religion is man working his way to God. You'll never have that kind of power because you are a sinful person. Listen to me. You can't work your way to God. God comes to you. He comes to you. 
But every one of us are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to give account for what we have done on planet earth. What have you done for the Lord? What are you doing for the Lord? What do you want to do for the Lord? But God hadn't given me any gifts. That will not be an excuse. God calls us. This is the interesting thing. I was, watch, I was watching this movie about this old circuit rider preacher. And he had a horse he called Gideon. He loved Gideon. He took care of Gideon. It, was, it reminded me of my car. It really did. He took care of Gideon and he brushed old Gideon, fed him the finest. and gave, he, even, even the water he gave Gideon had to be a certain kind of water. He, he pampered old Gideon. Okay, he liked old Gideon, and Gideon was his only friend because he'd go for miles and miles, and the only thing he ever got to do was talk to the horse. You know, he talked to his horse, and one day he comes upon some travelers. Their horse had just fallen over dead, and it was a family, and they was in the Appalachian Mountains, and nobody was, had, had any money. And he said, let me go over here and pray and see what God says. You know what the Lord said to him? You don't need to pray. He said, you don't need to pray. You got a horse. Give it to him. Gideon? He, really? Lord, are you sure? Gideon? Mark bought a new truck, and he's really saying, God, don't tell me to give that to pastor. <laughs> hey, John's agreeing with me. Did you see that? <laughs> But he said, he said, Gideon, you know, God answered him and said, sometimes you don't need to pray. You just know. He gave his horse, Gideon, and he was sobbing. And, and, and so it, it, the horse walked on down the road a little bit and it stopped and it looked around at him. It shook its head and went on. And the old boy was healed. But he walked into town. He said, hey, could somebody loan me a horse? And they said, come on, there's an auction right now. And so the town people got together and they bought him a horse. So he named it Gideon. Okay. So he goes to put his saddle on the horse. And they said, Pastor, don't get on that horse. It ain't broke yet. How many of you know he put that saddle on the horse and rode right out of there? Documented history. Listen, understand what God's doing here. Sometimes you don't have to pray about what God wants you to do because you already know what He wants you to do because He's already told you what He, he wants you to do. Listen, He's going to judge. Here's what the Bible said. Who is to judge the living? Now watch this, the dead. And she's going to pull up Revelation 20, 11 through 15. I'm going to read it to you because this is those who die without Christ. Watch this. And I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence the earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing. And so we know that they're not dead in body, they're standing, they're dead in spirit. And I saw the dead and the great standing before the throne, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. 
And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every one of them according to their deeds. The de then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now listen to what Paul says. Paul says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. Now I want you to hear something about the dead. They are dead in spirit. They are not dead in body. They are those who have not received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. He said they're going to be judged also. Now look what he said. He says, I saw this. John says, I saw this white throne of judgment. And he said, now the books were opened. Now let me tell you something. You are the book. I am the book. If I stand before that white judgment throne of God because I have missed it, then my life is going to be opened before the Lord. And if my name is not found written in that book, then I go into hell, which is the second death. Everyone who stands before that throne right there will not be saved. But yet the book is going to be opened on every single man's life. The books are open. And God's going to read every single thing about you in that book if you have not taken Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. He's going to read your life from one end right to the last of when you, you take your last breath. He'll do that for me if I am not a saved person. Listen, we think that we're saved sometimes when we are not saved. I want you to hear this. Listen to me. Sometimes when we say confess with your mouth, and we do, and if you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, sometimes it's a myth, and we say it, and we don't believe it. How many of you understand that? When we say that, we have to say that with firm conviction. Paul says that we need to repent with godly sorrow or that our hearts need to be broken and they need to be contrite. Why? Because we have sinned against Christ Jesus. But it's a myth to many people. And there are people who think they are saved and they are not saved and will end up in that place right there. And the book is going to be open. Yes, you went to church. Yes, you listened. But your name is not in that book. What book? The book of life. Now listen to what Paul says. Paul says that, Timothy, when you preach, you have to preach truth. You have to preach truth. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Listen to what he says. Preach the word. The Logos word. We heard Doc talking about the Logos. We've talked about the Logos many times. That's the written word. But how about the rhema word that comes down from heaven and touches our heart that this word becomes a revelation to us and just not something written on paper? 
What we don't understand about this, this book right here is a living organism. It's more alive than anything on this earth. It will heal you. It will redeem you. It will deliver you. Listen, it'll bring you to the place that Christ Jesus wants you to be. When you're judged, when I'm judged, we're going to be judged according to this book. How many of you know that? We think that we're getting away from judgment. We will be judged as Christians. We will stand before the judgment seat of our God. How many of you know that? Pastor, you did not preach what I asked you to preach. You was afraid to tell the people about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You even got to the place where you was afraid to tell them you must be born again. And you became a social club. You allowed them to do everything that you wanted them to do, but you never taught, taught them the word. There's going to be many preachers that are going to be cast into hell. Praise God, I hope that I'm not one of them. How many of you understand that? There's going to be many deacons and elders who are not going to make heaven. Listen, the drunkards and the prostitutes will go in before many preachers go in. How many of us understand that? Billy Sunday was a drunk. He was just a drunk. He couldn't help himself. He was just a drunk. Would have been one of the greatest baseball players that's ever lived. Professional baseball player. I think he played for the Phillies. I'm not for sure. But listen to me. He was sitting on a curb. He's stone cold drunk. He can't. He, he, he's, and listen, the Salvation Army comes by. And he hears the call of God. And he says to his buddies, I'm following them. They said, are you crazy? I'm going to follow them. I'm not playing this game no more. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And old Billy Sunday got up, and he followed Jesus. Become one of the most powerful tent, tent evangelists that ever lived on planet Earth. And God let him play baseball. He would take the old sawdust and put it down the aisle. And they said, oh, Sunday, he'd get so excited that he'd jump off of that platform and he'd just slide right down as if he was sliding into second base for the Lord. Said, man, he was a, he was a shouter. He was a yeller. A.B. Simpson of the Christian Missionary Alliance, listen to me, man, was a Pentecostal through and through. And when old Simpson died, then they, they, they just left the gifts out. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. We're all going to stand before the Lord. There's an angel one day that's going to put his foot on the land and the sea. One, one foot he's going to put on the land and the other foot he's going to put on the sea. And he's going to raise his hand to heaven and he's going to say, time will be no more. Time will be no more. Do you understand that time is not for God? He's timeless. He is God. There's no time with God. Do you understand that time is for us so that we could meet our judge? So that we could give an account what we're doing? God so loved us that He created time so that we knew that we was getting near the end of time. Listen, if ever there was a time that the church is near the end, we are near the end. We have no idea when Jesus is coming. He could come before this message is over. He could come before we lay our head down to sleep. Listen, here's the truth. He's coming. 
He said, be alert. Be ready. He told old Timothy, he said, preach the word. Preach this slow gospel that they may receive the rhema. He that hath an ear, Jesus said, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Be ready. When he said, be ready to win the lost at all costs. Listen what hap- what's going to happen now. Here, 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 be ready. Be in season and out of season. I was in season today because I had time to plan a message for you. But how about when I don't have time to plan a message, am I ready to preach the gospel? Can I do it? My dad said something about me one time. I don't know if it was a compliment or not. I'm going to take it as a compliment. He said, you're the only person I could see that I could give a bag of beans to and say, speak one hour on it, and you could. wonder what that meant. Be ready, instant, in season, out of season. To give an account for the Lord, to win somebody to the, the, to the Lord. To pray for somebody that's sick. To just be ready for the Lord. Be ready, be on the alert, because the Lord's coming. I want to go through this. Be ready to win the loss, the coming of Christ. Are you ready to be persecuted for the, for the cause of the Lord? Are you in season? Are you prepared? Are you out of season? Can you extemporaneously be spontaneous for the Lord? Are you like the fig tree that's found in John chapter 4, 35 through 38? Jesus comes to the fig tree, and the fig tree's out of season, but it looks like it's in season. So he goes to the fig tree, and there's no fruit, and he cursed it. You know, he didn't curse it because he hated the fig tree. He, he, he cursed it because that fig tree represented him. The Pharisee represented him. They would go to the Pharisee because they thought the Pharisee knew God. And when they'd go to the Pharisee, there was no fruit. There was nothing. He goes to the fig tree and he goes to get a fig. It's out of season. Pastor, don't make any difference. He said it represented me and it looked like me because Jesus said, you come to me anytime and there's going to be an answer for you. There's going to be fruit for you. Whether I'm in season or I'm out of season, he said, there's, there, there's going to be an answer. Are you ready for the Lord? Are you in season? Are you out of season? He says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, he said, you're in season right now. You're able to preach. He said, but understand this one thing. He said, you might get, be thrown in prison. And if you get thrown in prison, are you going to begrudge everybody? Are you going to want to take vengeance on everybody? Or are you going to understand that you're being persecuted for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because we don't believe that we're going to be persecuted. Yes, we are. And I'm tired of this myth. That tribulation won't be as hard in the United States as it is in other countries. It's going to be hard all over the world when Antichrist comes and takes his place. You miss that rapture and you're one of those tribulation saints. The only way that you're going to get out of things, get your head lopped off. Because they're going to come and say to you this one thing. You will not buy, you will not sell unless you have the mark in your hand or on your forehead. Somebody says, is this vaccination the mark of the beast? No, but it's a good forerunner. Look how they did it. If you took the vaccination, no, you're not going to go to hell. And no, the devil don't have anything on you. But it does show you how you could get in line when Antichrist actually takes his place. I'm not going to say anything about you if you took the vaccination. I, I pray for you. 
But if you didn't take the vaccination, I don't care. I'll pray for you too. I just want you to see how they get everything in line, how everything's going to take place. And then they're going <clears> to <throat> come to the end. Do you understand that Antichrist wants to set himself up on a seat and be God? How many of you know anti doesn't mean that he's against God? It means he's going to come in the image of the Lord. And if you're not filled with the Spirit of God, you won't know the difference. You won't. We're at that place right now that all of a sudden everything can change before we get out of here. I, I, you know, hey, listen to me. Silver and gold. Hey, do you understand that gold isn't going to mean a thing and silver isn't going to mean a thing? I chuckle when I watch these guys buy gold. With what? What? This is interesting. Buy gold. With what? I guess the money that the government prints, that's what they want. See, to me, it, none of it makes sense. Buy gold. And yet the Word of God says this. Silver, gold will rust and canker. It won't just rust and canker. It'll be a witness against you. What's the witness against you? You didn't trust God. That's the witness. It's all going to take place. And he's teaching him this. Listen to what he says. Reprove. That means to admonish, scold. We don't like that. Huh. Reprove. Admonish. Scold. Rebuke. Means mete out due measure. Warn. Discipline. Huh. Rebuke. Exhort. We'll like this one. Put a smile on your face. Encourage. Cheer up, embold, entreat, strengthen. And he says, now when you do it, do it with patience and instruction. Okay, I see the patience. How about the instruction? Patience is, yes, put up with them until they come to the place where God can use them. Instruction, tell them how to get there. Hello. Tell them how to get there. How do you get there? Trust in God. Trust in the Logos that the Rhema, Revelation Word, might come into you. And when they preach against the gifts of the Spirit, turn your back and walk away. When they preach a, a, a social religion, turn your back and walk away. So what do you preach? You preach Christ and Him crucified. Paul said, I don't know anything save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When Priscilla and Aquila are listening to Apollos teach about Jesus, perfect. The Bible says he taught accurately things concerning Jesus. But they said, man, he lacked. What did he lack in? He didn't know nothing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it, now pay attention to me, use your brain, isn't it interesting that every time we come to a division in the church, it's always about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Always. Always. What did the Methodists quit doing? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
What did, the, what did the Christian Missionary Alliance quit doing? Baptism of the Holy. Oh, they stayed holy. But they, it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Presbyterians. They went to better church than the Presbyterians. I've often said, if I had to go into, if the Lord said, I want you to go into a denomination, I'd be a, I'd be a Presbyterian. I could be lukewarm, cold, or hot. I'd try to win them Presbyterians to the Lord. But they went, you go in there and preach. I don't care what you preach. He says rebuke, exhort. Now listen to what he says. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Revelation 3.20. He's saying to the Laodicean church, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. We use that as saying to people that don't know Christ, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. But that's not, that's not what that, that scripture is used for. That scripture is used for Hosanna Church. He's standing out there. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You going to let me in? Isn't that interesting that we always pray, Oh, Lord, come in. Shouldn't he already be here? Yeah. I got an amen out of Mark. He didn't say amen, but he smiled. Hey, shouldn't he be here? You walked in. When you walked in, shouldn't the presence of the Lord came in? And if the anointing was on you, wouldn't the anointing be in here? Why, why do we always have to invite him? Right. Why, why, why do we always have to invite him? It's almost like, okay, we're going to church now, Lord. We're going to invite you in. Come on, people. That's a revelation Laodicean church right there. He should already be here. Why should he already be here? Because we are here. Because when we walked in, he came in with us. You ever, you ever go into your bedroom, men, and you smell your wife? She's not in there, but you can smell her. All that stuff she puts on. And it, Am I by myself? Come on, seriously? Huh? You, you smell that scent. And you know it's her. And that, she's not even there. But you smell that because you know of the stuff she puts on and everything. You don't think that when we leave here, we leave a scent of the Holy Spirit? We get so used to living the way that we are. But watch people come in here that don't come into this church and say, Whoa. Have you ever heard anybody do that? Whoa. Wherever you're at, you're going to leave a scent. And if it's the Holy Spirit, then you're going to leave that scent. He said, for there will come a time when they will not endure sound doctrine. Ears that want to be tickled. If, if, if you want ears to be tickled, you don't come to the wrong place. Yeah. My dad said, Larry, shear them sheep, don't skin them. I'm better than I used to be. So I said, <laughs> I said to him, well, when I step on her toes, I hope they bleed. My dad, had, my dad finally had a little bitty old church and he had only one tither. I preached he's only one tither right out of that church. The only, <laughs> the only man that he had in that church, one guy, and I preached him right out of that church. 
I really do. You know what my dad said to me? You're going to go get him back. You know what I did? I went and got him back. Yeah. Tickle ears. Tickle ears. Now don't be offended when I say this, because I'm going to offend some of you. But do I have to speak in tongues? No. No. You get to. You get to. No, you don't have to. But why wouldn't you? But why wouldn't you? Do I have to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? No, I guess not. But why wouldn't you want to be? Right? Do I have to really change my life after I get saved? I guess not. But why wouldn't you want to? Hey, I, I'm, I'll tell you this. I, that, that, that movie kind of captivated me about this, this circuit rider preacher. So they, there was this alcoholic. And he'd go home and beat his wife up. And she called this old pastor there. And, she, and he, he starts to come up. She said, if he catches you, he'll kill you. She said, now he's not, <laughs> I love this one. He's not bad when he's sober. Do you understand when you say that, you just give him permission to beat the living daylights out of you? Because he, he's, not, he's not a bad guy when he's sober. Okay, so when he gets drunk, you just minimized his problem. And that's what we do, minimize problems all the time. No, when he gets drunk, he's just evil. Okay, and so he comes in there and he gets drunk and he passes out. And she said, well, he'll be out about four or five hours. That old, that old pastor said, good. He said, you got a bathtub? She said, outside. No copper bathtub. He said, well, get all his liquor. And I mean, this boy had jugs of liquor. And he filled that, bapti- that, 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 that tub up out in the middle of that field with liquor. Stripped that old boy naked and put him in that, that alcohol. And then set a great big brush fire around him. And she said, well, you going to kill him. No, he said, I ain't going to kill him. And when that boy woke up, he thought he was in hell. He was screaming. And he told that old preacher, he said, "All I saw demons in the whole route. He said, I, he, that, that guy actually thought that he was in hell. And there he is in his alcohol in the whole route. And he's screaming for God. And he's seeing demons. And he takes off running, run right into a tree and knocked himself out. They put, they put him in the bed and he thought he had a vision. Man, that guy gave his heart to the Lord. He did not want to go to hell. Tickle the ears. Tickle the ears. Oh, I tickle your ears. Hey, listen to this. Teachers in accordance with their own desires. Teachers in accordance with their own desires. He said, they've turned their ears from the truth. Have you, have you turned your ears from the truth? Have I turned my ears from the truth, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever? How many of you believe that? Then, then if you believe that, how can you believe that the gifts are not for now? If you believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and, and Joel prophesied of the gifts, how, how then can we not, how do we get to the place where we leave them out? How, how, do, how, how did we get to the place where we stopped preaching the gospel so that people would be saved? 
How, how did we ever get to the place where we stop laying the hands, the hands of healing on people that they might be healed? How do we ever get to the place like the Apostle Paul? Paul said, my gospel. He called it his gospel. He didn't say the gospel of God. He said, my gospel. My gospel. And he had a right to say that. Because it was his gospel. He's teaching the the Galatians his gospel. He said, listen, if I come in and I teach you something different, what I've already taught you, he said, let me be a curse. Let me be separated from God forever. He said, if an angel comes in and teaches you something different than it was taught that I taught you, he said, let him be a curse. What? How did we miss that? How did we get the way that we are? How did we do that? We turned away from the truth. We've turned away from the truth. And here's what he said. Here's what the Lord told me a couple of weeks ago. I said, Lord, why don't people change? He said, because they see it as a myth. They see salvation as a myth. You might see it as a myth. You might. A myth is something that's not real. Some people see the Word of God and come to church every single Sunday and see the Word as a myth. And you say, well, I don't. Are you sure you don't? That when in a crisis, do you turn to the Lord? When you're sick, do you turn to the Lord? When somebody makes you angry, do you resort back to what you was before you got saved? Think about it. A myth. A myth is something that's not real. It's not true. It's a fable. And we see that as a myth. Listen to what Paul the Apostle said to Timothy. He said, they'll turn the truth into a myth. And that's what the Lord told me. They will not believe the Bible is the true Word of God. We have seminaries that teach that the Bible is full of errors. And we still send our preachers there. Man, I'm going to tell you, you want to preach gospel, don't go to a seminary. I'm almost going to say, you want to preach gospel, don't even go to a Bible college. Go to the Logos Word and ask the Raymond to come into you and start to teach you. Go to somebody that's filled with the Holy Spirit, loves the Lord, not afraid to tell you the truth. You can get into heaven if you smoke. But why do you want to destroy what God gave you, called your body? My mom believed you couldn't. Man, them old saints of God believe you, you, you get a hold of that, that alcohol, and, and I, I think I, I choose to believe them. And, and said, you, somebody said, well, you can drink and, and get... How come you can drink and it'll change you from one person to another? How come it does? You say, well, alcohol, how come alcohol will get inside of you and change you from who you are into another thing that nobody wants to be around? Think about it. He said that. He said that it's a myth. Well, you know, I, I, I believe that a woman has the right over her own body. Shame on you if you believe that. You can't kill babies. You can't kill old people. Can't do it. You can't do it. It's not sin. 
It's abomination. And there's a difference between sin and abomination. But we're not going to preach abominable things no more because people don't like them no more. Need to preach it. We've got a president that's out of order. Nancy Pelosi is out of order. Chuck Schumer is out of order. We're afraid to say those things. Had a guy in this church. He passed away. He quit this church. He came back. He quit the church. He said, I'm tired of you talking about politics. Somebody said, you need to go apologize to him. I said, I will not do it. So he came back. He hated Trump. He died. John and I buried him in his grave. His grave faced this great big billboard that said, elect Trump. Yeah, yeah, a great big billboard says, don't blame me, I voted for Trump. Great, great, great big one. And we're all, we're at the cemetery laughing, all of us. As though Aborn was in, I'm, I'm sorry, but I bet he started laughing. Because the truth needs to be told. I was talking about, and, and I'm, I'm about to quit here, but I was talking about the state school when I was in Tennessee preaching. And a school teacher come up to me, she's born again. And she said, you know what, I think you're wrong about the school system. And I said, okay. She said, I think it's good. I said, let me tell you something. When you start saying yes, yes, and no, no, you'll find out how good it is. <clears throat> She'll come out of that if she loves the Lord. Stand with us this morning. Matthew chapter 24 and 42. Hey, Deb, can you look that up real quick for me? I'm going to take a little bit of time as she brings it up. Matthew 24, 42. I didn't give her that. You be sober, awake, alert, ready, and be in your right mind in all things. Watch this. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Give me the next verse if you got it. I'm going to give her a second. Because I just, I just threw it right on her. Therefore, be on the alert, but be sure of this. Church, be sure of this one thing. Be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. Be on the alert. I know this message this morning wasn't the one you might even want to hear. But it's the one the Lord gave me. To tell His church to be ready. Friend, you don't have time to get ready. You need to be ready. Remember this song, Doris? Nancy? We're looking for His coming in the clouds of glory coming back to earth too. Brother, 
May we all be ready when the midnight cry is given to go and reign with Christ on His throne. Gladly may we herald the message of His blessed appearing. Soon He's coming in glory. Go tell to one and all. Ye saints, be ready for the time is nearing. But be ready for the final call. Listen to me, are you ready for the final call? I'm going to walk down these aisles. You ready? If the Lord counts for you tonight, today, and he said, your day's done, it's over. Are you ready? Because he's going to open the book of your life. He's either going to open it up at the judgment seat of Christ, or he's going to open it up at the great white judgment throne. And are you ready for that book to be opened? At the judgment seat of Christ, your name is written in the book of life. You'll be rewarded for the things which you've done in Jesus. You'll be rewarded if what you have done is gold and silver and stone. But if what you have done is wood and stubble, it'll be burned, but you yourself will be saved, okay, but by the fire. That's the judgment seat of Christ. We're all going to stand there. If I tell you to wave your hand if you're saved, and we all wave our hand, then we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But if you're not saved this morning, you're going to stand before the great white judgment throne of God. Now let me tell you the terror of that. It says that the mountains will move out of place. The islands will move out of place. Everything is going to run away from the presence of Him because His presence is going to be so terrifying. Now, you're going to go to one place or the other. So am I. And if you're standing before the judgment seat of Christ, what are you doing with the Logos that the rhema word might come into you and change you? Because listen to what's going to happen. The books are going to be open. The books are the life of people. You are an epistle that's being written right now by the Lord himself, and men read your life. What's it going to be? Doris, if you'll go to the piano, I'd appreciate it. If you'll take that, I'd appreciate it. I'm going, to, I'm going to open up this altar. And you get to come. And it's not that you have to come. It's that you get to come. And as a Christian, if you need to make things right with the Lord in your life, you need to do that. I don't know who I'm speaking to in here or if I'm speaking to all of us. But I, I want to see the coming of the Lord and I want to be able to say, come Lord Jesus. Be alert. Be sober. Do what God has called you to do.